LifeWay Leadership Podcast Network. You're listening to the Group Answers Podcast, a weekly show designed to resource, train, and encourage small group leaders. Each episode considers current trends and resources, as well as timeless truths and methods of discipleship. It's hosted by Brian Daniel and Chris Surratt. Now, enjoy the show. Welcome back to the next episode of the Group Answers Podcast. Chris Surratt, it is good to see you. It feels like it has been a long time. Hey, Brian Daniel, it's good to see you as well. Did you, you're, we're about the same age, you're a little bit older than I am, but did you watch the show Welcome Back, Carter, Cotter? I was not a regular watcher of Welcome Back, Cotter, but I do recall episodes of Welcome Back, Potter, Cotter. I recall lunchboxes and t-shirts that had... Horshack on him. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, of course, John Travolta. Yes. His career start on that show. But every time you say welcome back, that theme song, welcome back. Yeah. Goes through, goes through my head. I can so see that. Yep. Some point we may have to pay some money and, and get that as our theme song. And in a stream of consciousness tradition, when I think of welcome back, Cotter, I think of Gabe Kaplan and the Battle of the Network Stars, which you may or may not remember. I do remember that. That's crazy. <laughs> Gabe Kaplan. Yes. But we digress. Today, to welcome to the show, Ryan James. Welcome to the Group Answer Show, Ryan. Good to see you. Hey, thanks, guys. Great to be on here. I'm going to say cultural references sort of went over my head there. <laughs> it, uh, yeah, I think it's a good thing. Trust me. <laughs> that's, uh, that's okay. It's okay. Search, search thanks, YouTube. It's, wor- it's worth watching. <laughs> I, no, I would not do that. Ryan is the group's pastor at Long Hollow Church in Hendersonville, Tennessee. And coaches ministry leaders through Replicate Ministries. Uh, with 10 years of group ministry experience in churches ranging from 200 to 1,000, Ryan has seen wide range environments. He's Louisiana raised and Tennessee planted. Well played, Ryan. So obviously he likes food, coffee, and living up in the great outdoors. He can be reached at ryan.james at longhollow.com. So food, coffee, and living up in the great outdoors, I get one and two. I did not know coffee was a Louisiana thing. You know, they do the whole chicory thing in New Orleans, and they're all about it. It's kind of like the darker your coffee down there, the godlier you are. So say New Orleans again. Say, say that one more, and I want to hear how you say it. Right, I say New Orleans. Okay, all right. Robbie will say it differently, and then, you know, it's a whole thing. People argue for a long time on how to pronounce things in Louisiana. So I'm not out of bounds there with that with that quick follow-up there. Because Robbie, Pastor Robbie Gowdy's who we're talking about, he'll say Nolens, right? Something yeah, along the lines. They speak differently. I'm from the north end of the state. Uh, we look at them okay. as like, I don't really know how to approach you guys. What What is it? Is that, is that Creole? Is that Goa? It's, it's a lot of things. Something, it is a, yeah. a cultural melting pot and with a lot of opinions on how to pronounce certain things. <laughs> And we're just a bunch of dumb rednecks in North Louisiana, so we don't know how to pronounce anything. Well, Long Hollow 
Long Hollow Church in Hendersonville, Tennessee has uh, been referenced on the show a few times, Ryan. So uh, you and I were in a conversation recently and you you brought that up and I said, well, let's make it official. Let's get you on the show and start you on that march toward the gold jacket. So uh, good yeah. to have you. And um, we uh, so just a little bit about what's going on in Middle Tennessee. We're just seeing an influx of uh of people and new believers and new disciples, but also people that are transitioning from outside of this context. And we'll get to that, but it's creating a uh, unique situation at the church that uh, we want to explore a little bit in terms of just uh, how contextualized discipleship works, what you're learning, the challenges that you're facing and how you're resolving those. But we wanted to begin just with a more introductory question and uh, just Tell us this. What is easier, integrating people into existing groups or starting new groups? Mm. Well, new groups for sure. Um, in my experience, it, you know, new groups for new people, um, just like you hear a lot of church planners will say new churches for new people. Um, and I think that's that's a good thing. You know, over time, groups develop their own culture. And, you know, that's that's not a bad thing. That's a wonderful thing when you get a group that can develop a culture, they know who they are, they develop inside jokes, things like that. Now, the downside of that is they can become very closed. Um, sometimes that's good and it's necessary to earn that trust. But, um, you know, I'll, there's a lot of group systems out there that buck against that. Uh, and I've looked around and I know you're getting a little excited there, uh, but I've looked around <laughs> and experienced, you know, do you go with fully closed groups? Do you do go with fully open groups? And, um, you know, I think we do both. That's probably a good thing. I would think. Yeah. So wide pick when you can do both. Yeah. Uh, by the way, I've trademarked new groups for new people. So you're going to have to pay a little bit <laughs> there to, you go. to the Chris Rat um, book fund. My, but it I, might be your book that I got that from. I stole it from somebody else, I'm sure. Um, so in saying that, um, how do you get people into groups throughout the year? So if you're yeah. advertising opened and closed groups and you've got, and specifically, you know, and we're experiencing this, you know, people moving in all the time, needing yeah. community, you know, it's a new church, it's a new state. So how do you handle that? Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a constant influx. Um, we, we kind of have a station in our, at Long Hollow where we kind of sit out in the, what we call the information area. And literally it's just, that's, that's kind of our group connection point where someone on the group's team sits out there in, in the lobby between services. And I mean, weekly, uh, we get numerous people come and say, Hey, we just moved here, ready to jump into a group. What do we do? Um, so we do that one of two ways. Our primary way at Long Hollow, like many other churches, is we do something called group link, but it's simply an integration event where it happens four times a year. Um, it's a place where you come to find a group. We get to, you know, set up a room with a lot of group leaders and people come in and choose a group based on time, day, demographics, whatever that might be. Um, but because we only have that four times a year, um, you know, it, it generally catches a lot of people. So we can say, Hey, look forward to the next, you know, three weeks or something coming up, sign up. When that's not an option, we don't want to tell people wait, you know, two months, three months. And so we have two solutions for that. Um, one is there's always a short term group going on and we're very strategic with those, whether that's financial peace, whether that's a mom's group, whatever it is. Um, 
So there's an immediate short-term group that they can jump in and start to make connections, make friends in right away. Um, when that's not an option, and really this is you know, just our call where we see what works best um, is we just simply pay, play matchmaking. And if I know, hey, I've, I've had a I've had a meal or coffee with a leader in the last two weeks. They mentioned something about this. I think you guys work perfect. Then I will broker that relationship between the two. So we've got systems in place, but I'm never paralyzed by the systems. I'm always, you know, you always got to put people first. And so we're free to, to move around and play matchmaker when it's necessary. So just real quick. So talk about. Uh, Long Hollow has, so you just said you had the short term. There's always a short term mm. re, uh, yeah. Bible study going on, whatever that is. And, a sh- and short term, just those are studies that have a beginning and an end. They are created Correct. to have, there is six meetings and then this topic yeah. is closed. You also yeah. have sermon based curriculum groups, which correct. is everything else, correct? Yes, yes. So the strategy behind that aspect of it, um, is that so that one group, whether it be uh, an on-campus group or an off-campus group, you've got consistency there? So is there is that the bigger win, or is it you just at Long Hollow and leadership at Long Hollow, you, you really like the idea of that sermon series uh, facilitating additional discussion and legs out of that message? Yeah, that's the long-term win um, is, to, is to move people into that long-term um, group environment where they can have a longer term study and, and go through scripture that is preached on Sunday mornings, but also just so they can make longer lasting relationships and really dig in instead of a kind of a six week kind of see you on campus whenever we see each other. But now, you know, you're getting the opportunity to go in people's homes and see the weird pictures on their walls. And, you know, you really get to know someone when you're in their context or in my beyond campus and moving in and seeing, you know, just those consistent relationships. So I'm curious about people that come in with uh, some leadership experience. Yeah. The kind of the theme of what we're talking about is people moving in. And a lot of times we'll get people from other churches who have experienced a Mm -hmm. small group system or a discipleship system. And um, they want to jump right in leading a group. Uh, What do you do with that? Do you, do you make sure that they understand the DNA of the long hollow uh, system groups, D groups, all of that, maybe sit in a, in a group for a semester before they lead, or is it a case by case? How does that work for you? Yeah. 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 We do have a lot of folks coming in and, um, you know, we don't really have a hard and fast rule that you have to have been in a long hollow group for a certain period of time, uh, before you can start one. Um, you know, we, and we've mentioned this a lot and I don't think this is, I'll diverge for just a little bit. I don't really think this is a long hollow or middle Tennessee issue where we just have a ton of people moving in. Um, you know, I, I know a lot of your listeners span across the States, but particularly in the Southeast, I think it's a big deal. I, I think it, you know, I'm 30, I don't know how old I am, 33. Uh, I, I think in my generation, I'm going to see, we've already seen a huge change in the Southeast in terms of demographics and cities and growth. And I just think if, 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 if you do groups anywhere in the Southeast, um, whether it's far East Tennessee, whether it's central South Louisiana, where I call, call home, um, I don't know about Kentucky, Brian, I'm sorry. Um, but wherever I'm just kidding, Kentucky, the same thing, wherever, you know, I just think people are moving here. Um, they're moving here for the cost of living. They're moving here for the good life. Uh, they're moving here for a lot of things. And we have a specific opportunity as churches poised here to reach these people. And so, um, 
you know, we have a lot of people at Long Hollow coming from the West Coast, specifically, primarily Orange County. And, and so when I, when I speak to people and they're in, interested in leading a group and I hear, hey, I've, I've been at Saddleback or Mariner's Church for 10 years, you know, I'm pumped. Um, and, and immediately what I do, and again, you mentioned it, it's kind of a case by case basis. Uh, we don't have a hard and fast rule. So I'll hear somebody. And if, if, if I hear, hey, we've led a group at Saddleback for a long time, I'm like, well, then you know, your pastors have probably been guys, most of the guys books that I've read. Um, and so we'll talk about groups and, and our onboarding system really works to work out those kinks that might be cultural differences. You know, there's some red flags when someone come up, comes to me and says, Hey, I want to lead a group. And we, first thing I want to study is revelation. Well, then we're going <laughs> to, we're going to pump the brakes and I'm going to invite you into this group or whatever it looks like for a season. But if it's someone that I could, you know, just through that initial meeting, they're ready to go. Well, you know, our onboarding system is set up to work out the kinks of well, some cultural differences. We don't think do things exactly like your church on the West Coast or East Coast might have done, but belief, yeah, hey, we're there. You know, you've got the skill set. Um, we're just going to, you know, put you in our pipeline for a few weeks, get you trained up, and launch you. If you get anybody from Harvest Church in um, in Orange County, <laughs> that's the best, and those people are best. ready to just, pl- plug and play. Put them right in. Or send them back to Orange County because we could use them. <laughs> well, to respond to an earlier reference, Kentucky uh, is not necessarily the South. Just it, uh, that's, I've noticed it's not. When we uh, when we moved to Atlanta, I, I grew up thinking that I was Southern, and when I moved to Atlanta and spent time there, they straightened me out really fast. They will, they, right? Yeah, they told me I, that we played with the wrong kind of ball when because uh, <laughs> football rules. So you know, I. Yeah, you're, you're exactly right. I think we're seeing that in the Southeast, particularly Texas. I think Florida, Tennessee are certainly places where we're seeing an influx of out of Bible Belt, um, mm. out of the contextualized Bible Belt and into the Bible Belt. It reminds me a little bit yeah. of, of the church at Rome where you have the uh, Jews coming back in after being in exile and you had this, this uh, amalgam of Gentiles and Jews and Paul is writing into that at the same time. And so there are uniquenesses uh, in this season that we're seeing. And at least in my, in my, in my denominational life, I guess is the way I would put it. Uh, this feels new to me. We haven't seen eastward migration to the extent that we've seen it. And it's really interesting, particularly when you and I met that day over at the church and talked through this and, and, and the ways that you guys are processing. So just to follow up on that is, as the team has experienced this phenomenon, what challenges are you confronting? And then secondly, what changes are you putting into place or new processes or language values are you implementing to meet these unique needs? What of those are you integrating? And like, are there remaining questions like anything within this season? This has been going on. I suppose a few years we saw it in the pandemic. I think we saw it spike. Right. And it hasn't really you tell me, but it doesn't feel like it's slowed down. No, I live in, um, so we're in White House, Tennessee, which is about 25 minutes north of downtown Nashville. Um, I live about 10 minutes from Long Hollow's campus in a new neighborhood. Um, and I'll tell you, I've got 13 homes on my cul-de-sac, brand new neighborhood, just was started being built the last two years, three years. Um, on my cul-de-sac of 13 homes, I'm the only, I'm, I'm from Louisiana, and so we're the only native Southerners. Um, we've got four Californians, Canadians, 
Bostonians, two Pacific Northwesterners, and then maybe some Ohioans. Um, so it's crazy. And so um, it's fun when they all come out here. I remember the first week here, um, I was talking to one of my neighbors. They said, hey, where, where do we get a permit from the city to like have a fire pit in our backyard? And I was just like, light it up, brother. You're in the south. <laughs> um, and, and so it, it's been a fun, I think in challenge, you know, the, the folks behind us are from, she's from New York, he's from Utah, but they lived in California and moved here. So a huge melting pot of cultures. Um, and man, we have such favor here as local Southerners to guide them through, you know, just my family to guide them through. And so I think, you know, you, you translate that to the church at large, and um, a lot of these folks, you know, at Long Hollow specifically, like we we are made up like 50 percent of our congregation since the pandemic has, is made up of Californians primarily and then Chicagoans, New Yorkers. Um, and so it's made up of all these expats from the coast. And so um, I, I've seen us adapt big time to that. But, but here's my greatest fear um, as groups pastor specifically as someone kind of living in this cultural moment. Um, I'll go back to my neighborhood as an example. We had a neighbor when we moved in across the street from LA um, loved it. The husband loved it. He loved being in the South. You know, he had, uh, you know, all kind of stuff. Um, but over time we realized that they were not connecting socially um, outside of the neighborhood. He drove downtown to work every day. His wife stayed at home. Um, and over time, what I saw about eight months of us living here is they decided to move back to LA because they just could not find community. Um, they just felt lonely. And I saw that as man, you know, culture here has lobbed us a softball of all these folks moving into the Bible belt where there's a church on every corner where they're likely wherever they move to live next door to a pastor or church staff or a Christian, um, you know, that they might not have in their context where they were previously. And it's like, we've got a great opportunity. And so I don't want to miss that because what I've seen, there's been three people in my neighborhood move because they were just lonely and move back to Idaho, move back to California, move back to New York. Um, and so to me, I, I look at that with a large scale at Long Hollow to say, we've got an opportunity to reach these people or else they're just going to move back or just say, you know, gave church a try when I first got here because it was the thing to do. Not for me. Um, so we've ad- adjusted at Long Hollow. Some, some, some of the things that, that we, um, have adjusted and, ha- and have kind of pivoted for this cultural moment that we're in, you know, I think just starting small has been the way we talk. Um, you know, I lead our, um, we call it starting point, but it's kind of like, Hey, if you're new to long Hollow, this is where you go. You know, many churches have something like this kind of a discovery class, if you will, new members class orientation class. One example that we used to give as an icebreaker was just like, I mean, and this is so silly, but it so shows you just how culturally oblivious we were, but it was like, Hey, say there's a fire. Uh, you got to grab three things in your house. What are the three things you grab? And I would go around the room and talk to people individually at tables while they're doing that. You know, there'd be a room of 50 people. And and I realized all these people are moving here from California. All of these people have experienced a wildfire at some point in their life and they've got legit trauma. So I had to go back to our guest service team and be like, yeah, we got to change these icebreakers to something more aquatic or something. Cause these folks 
you know, to us, this, this might happen in the South occasionally. I'm like, these folks, this is their life. Uh, so we've got to change the way we talk and the things we use as icebreakers. Um, you know, we had a biblical sexuality series um, that Rob, Pastor Robbie did in um, the fall. And for many people who moved here, this was the first time that they've really wrestled with what does the Bible say about gender, about sexuality. And we had to, you know, prepare our life groups, our small groups to have these conversations in, in their living rooms, you know, with people who just moved here and maybe they haven't had conversations and heard biblical examples of this before. Um, so just an intentionality with the things we talk about and the way we talk about it. And we can assume nothing, uh, just growing up here in the South, you know, um, the second thing we've done is, is we've, we've had to get crazy about starting new groups. Like I said, 50% of our church is, uh, has rolled in post pandemic. So that's 50% of our church that has not connected to a group, um, since they moved here. And so just looking to say, Hey, um, you know, 25% growth a year is kind of the bottom of what we can do. Uh, we, we've got to get these folks in groups because that's my fear. If not, we're going to, we're going to, it's, you know, a softball pitch and we're going to swing and miss and they're going to, they're just going to slip through the cracks and, you know, we missed our one shot to reach them. Um, there's third, and that's really this is the biggest one. So I'm kind of moving up in kind of the impacts that we've had to make. But the the third is we've had to change the way we do groups at Long Hollow. Um, you know, one of the things that um that that we've seen is uh, as soon as you get more people included in groups, especially and we can talk about this a little later. But you know, we've started a lot of on campus groups. So we've kind of got a hybrid model of off campus and on campus, and what that does is it puts a strain on volunteering. Um, you know, with kids or with guest services on Sunday mornings with students, and so we kind of made this group slash volunteer hybrid um, where it's like our greeters on Sunday morning. Um, they are, um, you know, they'll greet at the doors and they'll greet after service. But what are they doing between that? Well, they'll go to a service and then like, Hey, we, we found a space for them on campus, whether that's in the coffee shop, whether that's in a legit on campus room where they can go and we tailor a condensed discussion guide, sermon discussion guide for them that typically in our life groups that meet on or off campus, it's an hour long for them. It's, it's like 25 minutes long. And we say, hey, here are the four top questions we take. Tailored this specifically to you guys. Go and discuss it while you're on break, essentially, instead of just chatting or peeking in for the sermon or whatever that is. Um, and so just a way to say, hey, we can quickly and easily get these people. It might not look like all the things that we want, but they're developing relationships. These people see each other every week. They're sitting in that, 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 that door with those kids together every week. And so um, it's really growing community from serving alongside one another, but also having intentional discussion around the Bible. So one, two, three, one was uh, language, just to be yep. sensitive to cultural context and language, like you said, with the fire. Two was new yeah. groups. And I, I think that's really important that with an influx that but then that puts a strain on volunteerism. And then the hybrid model is the third way that you've adapted. And that's just, yeah. and that's just to provide a context for all the new groups that you're looking to start. So those that are maybe want the convenience of childcare on Sunday morning as to those yeah. who want the more of the freedom or the, you know, the more living room feel of a, of a night during the week. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I'll tell you, the hybrid model was a game changer for us of having both on and off campus groups. We used to, I mean, when I got here, I've been at Long Hollow for two years, we were all off campus. Um, 
but post COVID, this is kind of a, um, what, what word do I want to use here? This was kind of a meet, meeting folks halfway in during COVID to say like, you know, a lot of our older groups hadn't met since COVID. Um, a lot of folks that have a lot of kids that anytime they show up at a life group that meets off campus and they're like, Hey, we've got five kids. And everyone's like, well, there goes, you know, you just doubled the amount of kids in our group. Um, so again, we need to start groups really fast, um, and, and remove as many obstacles as possible. So we literally, okay, we have 150 life groups. We've got 200,000, no, we've got 2000 people in our groups. We've got six on campus rooms. Uh, but in those six off campus rooms, we have logistically worked it out to where they offer 32 life groups. Uh, and you know, I'm no mathematician, but somehow my team got together in between meeting every other week between three services. Uh, we squeezed 32 groups into six rooms. So are they doing uh, a different type of format? Because a lot of times when you look at hybrid groups or yeah. you look at a hybrid system, it's more of a Sunday school model mm-hmm. on campus where it's a it's a teacher, master teacher, and then yeah. the home groups tend to be you know more facilitated. So do you guys have a different expectation or a different model for your on-campus to your off-campus? No. So we give them the exact, we, we talk to them exactly the same. We give them the exact same material. We onboard them the exact same way. Literally, the only change with them is we say when we're doing the onboarding, we're like, where do you want to meet on campus or off campus? Um, But they get the same material. We, you know, they have about an hour and 15 minutes because of our time. It's pretty generous. We've got, you know, about 30 minutes between worship services. Um, So they get about an hour and 15 minutes. We encourage them to meet regularly outside of their meeting time. And um, and yeah, they have the exact same expectations. Um, so we want to. I, I want to get to the last question about D groups because I know that Pastor yeah. Robbie, that's something that he's championed. But let me ask both of you guys, Ryan and Chris, have you seen a church and maybe Long Hollow is doing this, Ryan? It seems like it came up in our conversation. An organized neighborhood outreach, like you just talked about your your you know, um, your local community where you're, where mm-hmm. where you're, you and your family live. Does the group's ministry have an outreach to like those families that move in and then can't find community and then move back out to, is there a way that you can have a, uh, a, uh, extend the borders of the church, I guess is one way to put it into the neighborhoods. Has that been organized to any extent? Is that something you guys have done or Chris, have you seen that done well anywhere? Go ahead, Ryan. Yeah. I was to say, um, the groups team, we, we collaborate. Um, we, we've got some folks who are on the missions team at Long Hollow and some folks who are on the guest services team at Long Hollow. And so I, I think sequentially what that looks like is I, I'm not the right person to ask this, but I know, and if you want to email me, I can talk to somebody about it. But I know there's a service where when someone moves into your neighborhood, moves into your zip code, whatever it is, you can get an alert about that um, in order that triggers kind of you being able to send them a welcome to the neighborhood type thing. Um so our guest services connections team takes care of that. Um, I would love to see, I mean, you know, more collaboration between our team and theirs. Um, but I think the, the, the way that we have done that um, on the groups team is really just trying to equip our groups that meet off campus to be very missionally focused where they are. That looks like through the weekly email that I send to group leaders. It has tidbits about how to neighboring. You know, we send a lot of stuff about neighboring and neighboring well through our training and information channels through groups. Uh, I think that's the stories we tell um, and celebrate. 
are based on neighboring and stuff going in on neighborhoods. We have something um, called Love Our City. Um, you know, I used to be a part of Summit Church in North Carolina, so they had something similar, Serve RDU, kind of this one big serve day that goes on that the whole church is involved in. And we really look t- to utilize groups for that, like, hey, participate in Love Your City or this one big serve day through your group. Um, and we'll do things like we sponsor neighborhood um, Easter egg hunts. And so like my neighborhood does not have any Easter egg hunt that the HOA puts on. So I got on the Facebook group from the neighborhood said, Hey, we're going to throw an Easter egg hunt for the neighborhood. The church came and delivered um, the missions team came and delivered Easter eggs, photo booth stuff, plates, napkins, whatever. And we just hung out and had it in my front yard and met a ton of neighbors. That's awesome. Um, yeah. And I would, I would say the same thing that what I've seen is, uh, is that serve day being really effective. Um, church here in, uh, in, in Nashville cross point, uh, they do it three times, two or three times a year and it's very mm-hmm. effective and there's churches all over the country kind of following along with the servolution, um, idea. And so, yeah, it, but I, it comes down to mobilizing your small groups that that's yeah. how, that's, that's how you get that army out there. Um, I do want to ask about the D groups because I know that's a big emphasis for Pastor Robbie. If you've read the book growing up, I mean, that's really kind of the discipleship pathway is that people get people in these discipleship intensive groups that you guys call D groups. Yeah. Is that still going? What's the current strategy behind D groups at Long Hollow? Yeah, they are still going. And so, yeah, we have a, a, a two group model, um, life groups, which is our typical small groups, eight to 20 people meeting weekly every other week in homes on campus, sermon based curriculum, life on life. Um, and then we have micro groups, discipleship groups, three to five people meeting weekly for a, a certain amount of time for an accelerated season of spiritual growth. Um, and so those are going strong. I will say, um, during COVID, uh, they thrived, um, because that was really what people could do during COVID, you know, three to five, they'd meet on the phone, they'd meet on zoom. Um, but I would say in my two years at long hollow, we've kind of seen a pendulum swing to where they thrived. And then we didn't really talk about them much from COVID on, or took a very organic hands-off approach and we saw them dwindle some. Um, and so what we've been doing, um, at Long Hollow is really, um, you know, it, it's, it's like anything. Uh, Pastor Robbie has been here for seven years. Um, discipleship groups have gone through what we call phase one, and now they're kind of on phase two or this volume two iteration where this is something we do with Replicate often where what, what, whether your church might be new to discipleship groups and you want to launch them or whether you have existing discipleship groups, we always say, hey, it's time to bring it in the shop, look under the hood, see what's broken, see what's working. And so we kind of did that internally at Long Hollow. Um, and uh, there's a few things we adjusted. Um, one of the things is how we start discipleship groups. Um, I think when Pastor Robbie first got here seven years ago, it was kind of like everyone needs to be in a discipleship group. And we will play matchmaker to a part of that to help you do that. Um, and that is a recipe for burnout and a recipe uh, to make bad matches. And just um, ba- basically what we've done is we've taken discipleship groups from being a ministry of the church to being a ministry of the individual. Um, we've gone from saying, hey, this is our program 
come and join. They're saying, hey, this is your ministry. Let us send and equip you. Um, and so, you know, if you've done any future church stuff or anything like that, we've taken it from a blue funnel to a red funnel. And so, um, it's, it's discipleship groups have really become a sending mechanism of our church now to where even if you look on Long Hollow's website, it'll say join a life group, but it says start a discipleship group. And so there's no one to ask at Long Hollow to say, Hey, I'd like to be in a discipleship group. Can you put me in one? Like there's, we can't, we don't, I personally, I know how many discipleship groups we have, but I don't keep tabs on attendance or anything like that. Um, it's very much like start a discipleship group. Um, so for one year, we just put it out there and we saw that a lot of people on their own goodness of their heart, don't just start a discipleship group. Um, a lot of people who are really passionate about it do, but, um, um, and so we've kind of met in the middle of saying, Hey, we want to equip you to be able to start discipleship groups. Um, but we create environments throughout the year, um, that really seek to help start those, to jumpstart those, give people opportunity to be trained, to be inspired, to be sent out. Um, and so that's whether through these events, whether that's we're seeding them in existing small groups. Um, and yeah, we've ac- actually, we've just redesigned uh, all of our discipleship group um, promotional material and training material on our website. I literally, it got put up on our website in the last two weeks. I love the idea of the D groups as a sending mechanism in that mentality and the start versus join. That's yeah. uh, That seems fresh to me. Well, that's going to wrap it up for this episode of the Group Answers Show. Chris and I would just, Ryan, thank you so much for taking time out of your day and for rescheduling yeah. off, the, off the road, getting back in from the car trouble. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you guys for having me on. It was a blast. Thanks, everyone, for joining us, and we look forward to being with you on down the road. As always, if you find it in your heart, you, wherever you listen to the show, give us a rating or leave a comment. We love to see those, and they do inform future, future episodes. Until next time, that's going to do it for Brian and Chris. Chris.